This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. Have you ever been in a situation where you prayed and asked God to do something for you and it didn't happen? I think most of us have been in this place at one point or another, and I believe there's a number of reasons why that occurs. In fact, the Bible outlines a number of reasons, but that's really not what this episode is about. The real question is, after something like that happens, what happens next? What do you do when you pray and you ask God to do something and God doesn't do what you ask the way you ask or when you ask? Or what do you do when you don't understand what he does or does not do? Now, I know in my life, there have been times when failures and disappointments have absolutely paralyzed me. Something either happened that I did not expect to happen or something did not happen that I did expect. And the outcome just completely robbed me of the willingness to even try to shake it off and give it another try, whatever the it was at that time. In more than one instance, I can say that I have faced total paralysis in my relationship with God. So I did the thing that they said I should do. I prayed the prayer that I was told to pray, and it just did not happen. God did not answer the way that I expected him to. And then I just didn't know where to go from there. Because if I followed all the steps in the formula and the outcome did not meet expectations, then that means something's wrong. And because nothing in me thinks it's logical to blame God, I just didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know what happened next. I believe that kind of thing happens to people often. And as a result, they just stop believing God. And I totally get it. I've heard people talk about childlike faith before. But how do you actually achieve that? What does that even actually look like? In three of the four Gospels, Jesus himself talks about it. Unless you become like a child, you shall not even enter the kingdom of heaven. He said that in Matthew 18, Mark 10, and Luke 18. But everything around us in our culture and in our world challenges us to grow up, to be independent, to be self-sufficient. And I don't know about you, but I can honestly say that it is very off-putting for me to see a grown adult who acts like a child. So how am I supposed to become like a child, as Jesus said, but then be mature like Paul says? I really think that that could be a whole separate episode right there. I might have to do that. Anyway... I was talking to one of my little ones recently about this very thing. And 
God reminded me of an incident in my life that explained this childlike thing to me precisely. I'm going to share it with you. Hopefully it flips some lights on for you. Uh, I don't have any biological children, but I do have some nieces, nephews, and some godchildren. One of my godchildren, Curtis, and I have a really good relationship. And I've had a good relationship with him since he was born. He's just the joy of my heart, hands down. Anybody who knows me knows that. Curtis is about 14 years old now. And he is at least or very close to as tall as I am now. But when he was younger, he used to do this thing whenever I came to see him. I would come in the door his mother would call up to the stairs to him and say, Curtis, your godmother's here. And he would run to come down the stairs to greet me. And when he got like halfway down the flight of stairs, he would literally jump into my arms. Now, he wasn't that big at that time, but he definitely wasn't that small. And he was heavy. And every time he took flight... I remember I could barely collect myself because all I could think was, God, please, I have to catch this boy. But Curtis demonstrated no fear. You know how little boys are anyway, right? <laughs> no fear, no hesitation, no nothing. He jumped down that staircase completely convinced that I would catch him every single time. By the grace of God... <laughs> Every time he jumped like that, I caught him. Let's fast forward a little bit. I think he was maybe eight or nine years old. I can't remember exactly. And I took him and his sister to Myrtle Beach. And he made up this game where we would go into the ocean about knee high for me, right? And his hands were like straight up in the air over his head. And I was holding onto his hands. Now, the game required me to hold and lift him up every time a wave came in so that he could jump over the waves, okay? So we stood in that water for about 45 minutes to an hour while we played this game. You can imagine how my back was feeling after holding and lifting up this little person for all this time. But anyway, it was absolutely the coolest thing. I love spending time with him, no matter what we're doing. This was no different. So about 45 minutes in, I noticed that his trunks were slipping down, right? Because it was a pretty brisk current coming in. And his trunks were slipping down when he was jumping up. I said, wait a minute, honey. Wait, wait, wait. You're showing all your business to the world here. Let me let me cinch up them trunks for you. So I bend down to, to cinch up his trunks. And when I did, a huge tide came in. And literally swept both of us off of our feet. And I actually fell forward right on top of him. So I'm trying to fight this current and get up. And meanwhile, he is under me and under the water. Okay, about a foot, a foot and a half deep. Now, I don't know how long it was. It probably was just seconds, but I'm telling you, it felt like five or 10 minutes. And by the time I was able to get up, he got up. He was okay. He wiped off his face, all of that. But I, of course, was absolutely traumatized. I said, honey, I, I think we, <laughs> it's time to take a break. I, I, I think we need to go sit quietly for just a minute. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. And so we go back up to where his mom was on the beach. And 
I'm just like, I'm telling you, I can't even tell you what's going on in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I almost drowned my godson. I, I, I couldn't even get myself together. After about 30 minutes of lying on the beach, he comes over to me and he says, auntie, can we go back in? And, and I'm like, huh? huh? <laughs> you you want to go back in the water? He's like, yeah, can we please? Can we go back in? God reminded me of that story. And I realized that is what childlike faith looks like to God. Now, he had jumped in my arms before and I always caught him. But then there was another time when things clearly did not work out as planned. Still, that never stopped him from being willing to trust again. I had this conversation a few months ago with a friend of mine, and we were talking about trusting the love of a person that you're in a relationship with. And that's what I have with my godson. I mean, he absolutely trusts my love for him. And the reality is that's what we should all have with God. Things don't always work out exactly as we envision them in our minds in this walk with God. They just don't. But we overcome disappointment and failed expectations, not by sitting on the sidelines and staying there, but by trusting the love of the one who's done more for us than any other person ever has and given everything for us because we know that he is worthy of that and so much more. Sometimes in the days and haze of disappointment, we don't even know what the next step is. We don't even know how to get back in the game. And that's where a cultivated relationship with Jesus comes in. He is famous for showing us nothing more than the very next step. And that is all he's asking us to take. One step and to trust him. And I'm going to end this with one more story to illustrate this point. There was an old movie from 1989. You all know how much I love a movie, right? An old movie, 1989, called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And in it, there was this amazing scene that was called The Leap of Faith. Any real movie people will remember it and know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to bore you with all the details about the storyline of the movie, but in this scene, he has to overcome this last challenge to obtain the object that he was seeking, which in that movie was the Holy Grail. In order to reach it, he has to cross this enormous canyon to get to the open door on the other side of it. Now, he can see the opening in the rock on the other side of the canyon, but what he cannot see is a walkway, a pathway, or any other such way that he's supposed to be able to get there. Without question, it was humanly impossible for him to jump, unless, of course, he could fly. So in his mind, there's no possible way for him to get from where he is to where he needs to be. In fact, I think he said, this is impossible. But at that point, he realized it was going to take a leap of faith. So, you know, typical movie fashion, he dramatically lifts up his foot to step down into what looks like a bottomless canyon. And when he actually leans over to take the step, his foot lands on an invisible walkway. And when he takes the first step, 
this walkway appears out of nowhere and he walks across the canyon to the other side. What an amazing scene. I'm telling you, if you have never seen it or don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Indiana Jones and a leap of faith and you'll see a clip. There's tons of clips of it on, on YouTube. What an amazing principle. Trust me, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here even now. Um, because if I'm honest, there have been times when I have totally not lived boldly out loud for Jesus. And largely because there have been other times when I have stepped out or said something or done something and I really thought it was God and it didn't happen the way that I thought it would or the way I saw it in my mind. But here's what I know about Jesus. When it is truly your heart's desire to know him and to love him, even in our failures, even when we stumble, even in our imperfections, he is always waiting for us to run back to him in the waves and trust him again. Trusting the one who loves us means we know that even when we don't understand, he knows the end from the beginning and he knows exactly what is best for us. Trusting the one who loves us means knowing that there is nothing in him that is about torturing us with pain, even though there are times in our lives when we will suffer pain. Trusting the one who loves us means even when it makes no sense at all, we know and believe that he is who he says he is and he is faithful and true. Jesus clearly felt some of the same things that we have felt at different times in our life. The Bible says that. And even when he was obeying the Father, we know that he felt emotions that I would imagine we would certainly feel ourselves. In Matthew 27, he's hanging on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Whenever I think about the cross, you know, I think about it all the time. I just cannot imagine what that must have felt like, just physically or even emotionally. He knew that path that was before him, even from the foundation of the world. He knew he had to do it. But when the time came to walk it out, I can't imagine what that was like. But what I know is that in the face of that agony and humiliation that is clearly beyond my ability to even comprehend, he faithfully endured all of that when he could have easily come down. And he endured it for the love of his father and for the reward of us and our love. I want to encourage you, family, like Paul did the Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you don't grow weary and don't lose heart. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what kind of challenges you're dealing with. But whatever it is, I'm telling you, when you take the first step and run to Jesus in the waves, he will make that road rise up underneath your feet and he will catch you and he will hold you every single time. It's time, family, to take that next step. It's time to get back in the game. It's time to live boldly for the one who loves you out loud.